Okay, so we are back with part five of our series on the NAR from War Cry Media. So you're listening to the Warcast, the official, official, <laughs> not official, so the official podcast of War Cry Media. So I have Dave joining me once again to finish off part five. And uh, we wanted to end now with the music. So usually when you do something that's Hillsongy, Bethel, NARs, you begin with music. And we did the total opposite. We ended with music. And it was totally all on purpose, too. <laughs> it was on <laughs> It's actually... So in, in God's goodness, we uh, are actually talking about the music at the end. But I uh, want to give one uh, reason for maybe why it played out that way. And hopefully if you have been listening and we, we appreciate everyone who's gotten a hold of us too and have said how um, much they've enjoyed this series, it's benefited them a lot. And we've had uh, several people tell us that they have reconsidered um, not only the NAR in general, but just using music from groups that associate with them like uh, Jesus Culture and Hillsong. And so we're extremely grateful to hear those things, um, not because we want people just to stop listening to music, but we, because we want people to honor Christ. And so we've been encouraged by that, and we hope this one is encouraging as well. But for those people who are maybe still on the fence, who are listening, I know there are some people who listen to this who don't uh, necessarily agree with us. Um, I do want to throw this out there. Doing music at the end, I think uh, you can at least say that we've tried to have we have tried to be as fair as possible and to just make judgments based on what is said. And I, th I think what often happens is uh, people react to criticism. Uh, they, re they react negatively to the criticism. And I think that criticism sometimes starts off on the wrong foot. Cause you could imagine if we had just started off with Bethel music talking about how, you know, bad we think Bethel music is and how untheological it is. But if we're not really setting you up for um, the backdrop to something like Bethel music or Hillsong music, then you're really not going to understand the critique. You're just going to think we're, we're attacking you. And that's not what we want to do. We want to get to the heart of, uh, of the issue, and that's getting to the movement itself and the theology itself and the leaders itself. And so getting to the music now is really just exposing the fruit from the movement and from the leaders. And so if you haven't listened to the, any of the parts before, I would sh this would be the one I would recommend most you go back and, and listen to the others. If you haven't listened to the first four parts, um, go back and listen to them. You'll, you'll find a link. Um, if you're going to listen to this on iTunes or whatever, you'll find a link in the show notes. Please go back and listen to the other ones. Um, I, 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 just, I, want, I want you to see that we were, we were extremely fair in what we did. And we, we think we proved things biblically, scripturally, and we exposed people in their own words. And so as we jump into talking about um, how music is used in NAR, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a couple specific groups in, in, uh, in the movement like Hillsong Music and Jesus Culture, uh, we're, we're really now talking about the fruit of a movement. And we're really talking about, um, I think, kind of the biggest attractional draw for most young people when they see movements like this is the music. And uh, Dave, you were talking about it a little bit ago of, you know, you had kind of convinced me we should talk about the music and I'm, and I'm glad you did. But why did, why did you think it was so important for us to address the music now? Um, for one, before I 
comment on that. I just wanted to say regarding the other previous episodes and doing the music last that a big thing we tried to do was use a lot of scripture, which you already said. Um, so anybody that would go back and listen to those four, I would plead with them to do it with an open Bible. And we can always use more scripture, so I think we, we could have used more, but as much as we did use, we tried to make it abundantly clear that it's not our opinion that is making these critiques, and it's not just us being mean to these people. It's not just us um, not loving them or not caring what they say. It's actually us trying to show that the Bible teaches something that's opposite of what they're saying and pleading with you to hold to the Bible instead of the opposite of what they're teaching. So I would just plead with you to do that as you listen to these things. Because as Aaron said, I know there's people that are going to listen that aren't in agreement with what they're saying. I have family members that wouldn't be in agreement with what we're saying. Um, but I would just plead with them as well to to open your Bible as you listen. And you'll be able to see that God's Word is is very clear on what is going on in this movement and that it is not in line with scripture. So that's our, our plea starting off is that you will please look to the word of God and see, even if you don't hear us, even if you don't care about what we um, are saying as, as brothers in Christ, at least heed the word of God. And if you listen to nothing else that we say, if you listen to nothing that we speak, um, listen to the word of God and how it teaches you to worship and to seek the Lord and to walk in the spirit and those different things and what is truly a different gospel as in Galatians 1. And and hopefully you'll be able to have the Holy Spirit um, teach you, you know, what which one is true or not. But then regarding the music, yeah, the reason why I believe it's so important is the music is the reason why I got pulled into the movement in the first place. I mean, that that's a huge reason. That and some some movies that Darren Wilson made called Finger of God and Father of Lights. But the music was a big part of it. And that's because um, you, you listen to these songs or you click on them, you like these songs, and then all of a sudden your YouTube page is filled with all sorts of sermons. Uh, once again, if you could call them that, but teachings of Bill Johnson or these other NAR people, and it all floods in because of listening to a Hillsong song or a Jesus Culture song. But the music itself, or just music in general, I believe is such a powerful tool, not only of the kingdom, but also of the kingdom of darkness. And I mean, we see that if you look at, I mean, I used to work at one time at a, at a pool, a day club, um, back in the day. And I, when I was there, they would bring in, you know, hip hop artists or, or, you know, I remember Flo Rida came one time and, <laughs> and it was just like the music to people is it almost like opens up another realm of the, just a devotion to these people. Like when you look at uh famous people that are good at music, it's like they're worshiped. And then Aaron and I were kind of talking about how you can you can hear a song you know 15 years ago and you can still remember a lot of the words or you can hear a commercial from 10 15 years ago and you remember that commercial because it had a catchy tune to it because the music was memorable so i think that music is is extremely powerful 
Um, when when something is set to a tune, when something is 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 done rightly, and I mean these these Jesus the Jesus culture band and and Hillsong, they are they're good musicians. It's not like they're bad at playing musical instruments. They're not bad at making music. They are talented, and they do it well. And uh, with those things all mixed in together, I mean that makes a perfect combination to be able to get these theologies to people because music is so powerful because it is so memorable. I mean, I listened to part of one song by them last week, kind of joking around, played it to Aaron and it's been stuck in my head mm-hmm. all week just because of some beat that it goes with, you know, that's, that is the power of music. I mean, my, my son is, is learning scripture and we have these CDs where it, it sings um, scripture and also another one that sings catechism questions and answers and it's like, we'll ask him the catechism question. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then my wife barely sings the tune to the answer. And immediately he remembers the answer. You know, it's like the, those music can be a powerful tool to help or to hurt. Mm. And so that's why I think it's very, very important to realize the the danger that music has. And especially like you said, there's many worship leaders that are using this music and those worship leaders that are picking the songs or using these songs, they're going to give an account as well for the people that were led astray from them using, you know, a Hillsong song or a Jesus culture song. And then young people in the audience or in the congregation look up, oh, Jesus culture, who's that? I, maybe I like more of their songs, which is what I did. And then all of a sudden your YouTube page, like I said, is filled with um, all the teachers of the NAR, and then you know that that worship leader is going to is going to have to answer for that for leading, allowing these people to be led astray with for not being careful with um, the kind of roads that you open up to the the people in the congregation. So, yeah, and and I I think for a lot of people it's it's going to be hard at first to consider why you would even think about music in the first place. Uh, and, and particularly because we, we, and I say we, as in me and you included in this, we are still coming out, even though we have been, I mean, how long have you been a part of a good church now? What, four or five years at yeah. least, you know, you know, between here in California and between my time here and in, I mean, I've been a part of a church for almost five years and I'm still learning to come into worship and realize it's not about the tune and the way it sounds, but the heart of what God is concerned with is is what we're singing to Him, and what we're singing to each other, and 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 so you know, and and, and this is just I think this is particularly an American phenomenon, where we are we have become so experienced based. I mean, and this is just in the broader culture yourself because you were talking about it with other forms of music. Think about what's popular with young kids now. Uh, you know, now the the festival movement is back. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, back in the day, probably in my parents' time, you know, sixties, seventies, you know, maybe into the eighties, is festivals and big shows were a thing. Um, and now we got this kind of festival movement now, where all this hype is built up to attending a festival and and being in being there, having the experience. And the music is what drives all of that. The music drives the experience. Uh, and, and so I think that's just a great cultural example of the, of the kind of things that we value 
not only in the church, but in our culture. And that that culture is bled over into the church. And, and so most people don't ever really even stop to consider it, because I know for sure I didn't for a long time, never even stopped to think, what am I singing? And who am I singing to? What am I singing about? Why am I singing this? Why is the music being played like this? And I, I you know, I was, because I, a lot of times when we think of, um, when we think of criticizing, and I know that may not always be the best word to use because people have a bad connotation of that, but when we're, when we're thinking of music, uh, I think a lot of people get a bad taste in their mouth when we, when, when we start talking about well, this isn't very biblical over here. This isn't very biblical over there. And I think a lot of times people react, we go, well, should we just never sing? Should we just never have emotion? Should we just never be like this when we sing music? And I, I definitely don't think that's the case. All right. Uh, we're, we're not trying to advocate for people standing stone cold um, in, in worship while they're singing and hearing the word. Uh, but rather, we want to change the emphasis, uh, the emphasis not being on how the music makes you feel, the emphasis not being on uh, the 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 emotion and the the atmosphere of the room, and it not being how how it makes you feel at the end of the day. Um, at, at the end of the day, music is is meant as a tool to worship God, and so when we're thinking about the way the Bible describes music, um, you know, you you can think of like in in, in the book of Ephesians when when Paul is exhorting them to um, encourage one another. He says to encourage one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so you do have this corporate aspect, this this aspect of the people of God coming together singing and and using that song to build one another up. And yet, when Paul does describe it in Ephesians, he talks about it as being unto the Lord for the building up of the church. And so you have two very important things for worship, in at least Paul's view, for churches, one, it's always for the building up of others. So it's not the building up of yourself. Now, you may be edified by it. You should walk out of church edified by it. But the primary purpose in you singing and you worshiping and you thinking about what you're saying and and, and saying those things to God and to other people is first and foremost for the other person. So that when I'm singing in church, I'm actually singing truths that I would want to encourage and exhort and to lift up other people in the church with. And then the, obviously the end goal of that is not simply even for the body, but the, the end goal is for the, is for the glory of God. And so I, I wanted to throw that in there um, because I usually feel like critiques of this mean we like people might have a weird idea that we just kind of stand in church and we hear something sung and we don't ever sing, you know, and there are churches like that. People are so quiet. They don't ever sing. They don't worship. Uh, and they've they've really, I think, kind of lost the biblical aspect of singing to one another, singing unto the Lord. And yet, what, what we are concerned about, what Scripture, I think, is concerned about, is that we sing about God, to God, to the people of God. So we sing about God, to God, towards the people of God. And that's, that's always the flow. We're singing true things of God because he wants us to sing those things of him and to worship him for who he is and then to encourage one another in that way. Uh, so and Real quick to touch yeah, on, yeah. <clears throat> just because you talked about, you know, we should be 
I guess not, I don't know, I forget how you put it, but my whole point was just going to be that in no way are we saying that you can't have what we would consider good music or um, talented musicians in front. I We don't want to take our worst stuff and offer it to God. We don't want to take the people that have never played a musical instrument in their life, have never sung in their life. Oh yeah, you want to get up there and give it a shot? Here you go, go ahead. It's like we want to offer the best to God. And, and if you, if that's, you have a drummer that's very talented and you want to have drums in your musical worship, then put them up there. If you have guitars, if you have pianos, you know, I have no problem with using any of these instruments. I have no problem with them working as hard as they can to play the best possible music they can. I mean, we just got the, the guy that's the pianist new in the worship um, group here. And he's, amazing at playing the piano and 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 he and he plays it wonderfully for the worship and i'll raise my hands sometimes or i'll lift what (laughs) i'll lift my hands to god and praise him you know and we do want the music to be uh the best we can give to god so in no way are we saying you shouldn't have musical instruments you shouldn't play the guitar you shouldn't have drums you shouldn't have a piano you know in no way are we saying those things but we're just saying that what is the purpose of having those? Is it to manipulate people to um, get them into some sort of trance so that then they're more teachable? Is it, you know, to um, have some really good beat? Is it to, I don't know, any any other reason besides, like you said, singing to the Lord, glorifying the Lord, having words that are going to cause our hearts to dwell upon what God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, and so does that mean you can't have musical instruments? No, of course not. You know, we we want to do everything the best we can for the glory of God. So if you're going to be able to match Christ exalting words, God exalting words with um, talented musicians playing music for the glory of God, then yeah, by all means, let's do that, you know, but let's examine why we're doing it. Yeah. And hope hope to clarify between us. I don't think you were saying that. <laughs> I've I've just you know so in the past and and uh, probably in very unwise ways I have addressed this in the past before. Um, usually when you address music, it's like we go so hard against some kind of music or some kind of group because uh, I've done this. So I, I've done this and to where you actually don't offer anything positive for somebody. Okay, so what does the Bible actually say, you know, about worship? And I probably mm. would have stood there like, uh, you know, <sighs> like I got, you know, I got nothing for them, which is uh, for them, it's like, so you want me to leave this for nothing? You know, yeah. you're telling me the Bible's against this, but you're not really providing me with anything. Um, and so I, I had to throw that in for my own sake. And I think for people listening, because I've had, I've had those exact conversations before. And uh, I, I just I think it's important for people to know. Look, it's you know when people are considering stopping doing stuff like this or leaving or whatever the case may be. Here's what I don't want because I hear this all the time when it comes to like cults. You think of people coming out of Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, you know, whatever. And this is usually this is the case all the time uh, with ex Mormons. They come out and then what happens to them? They're unbelievers. They, they've been so shell-shocked by the truth that they've heard regarding the church, the theology, that it's, you know, it's, it's not consistent. It's, 
has all sorts of historical problems, you know, the, the whole shebang. And the, and so what they end up is they don't get anything to replace it. They just kind of are left destroyed. And then they end up going off and some of them become atheists. It's just like, it, that's, that's the last thing I would want for someone hearing this is like, look, we're calling you back to biblical worship, the, the, the biblical Christ, the, the biblical God, the, the biblical church. And that, so that, that verse I was talking about earlier was, I, I don't know why I didn't say the, I don't know why I didn't uh, give the verse uh, chapter and, and number. So I was talking about Ephesians 5, and I would say begin at verse 15. He's, he, he's, a, he's exhorting them to watch how they walk. Yeah, so it's a larger section of this is how you are to be imitators as God's beloved children. This is how you ought to walk. And and he, and he gives it to them that you are to be filled with the Spirit, and here is how you are to be filled with the Spirit. Sing to one another. So in, in Ephesians 5, he's, he, and in, 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 uh, once you jump down to verse 18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But filled, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, I mean, that, this is a very important verse when thinking about worship um, and thinking about coming together and, and singing and making and making um, um, song um, together. Uh, so I. I wanted to throw that out there. I wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, and, and I also wanted, uh, you know, I want people to know that's what I want you to come to. And so you may be thinking, here's a how I want to transition. You may be thinking, well, and I've heard people in the movement say they would agree with that. <laughs> they would agree with that. So now th- he, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, because this is what we talked about last time. It, it's not going to be so much. Look, they don't agree with certain scriptures. At the end of the day, you push someone, you know, uh, up against the wall, they're going to end up agreeing with scripture most of the time. They're not going to say, "Oh, yeah, the Bible's wrong there." Uh, but what we're asking you to do is to compare. So this is why we said, if you haven't listened to the first four parts, you need to, because now as we kind of transition into Bethel music and Hillsong and it, how it's used in the NAR, uh, you really have to be able to compare because you're going to have two different people using very similar language, saying, yes, we're singing unto the Lord, we're singing to other people, and and so what's the main difference? And so you need to go back and listen, and you need to hear the theology and the practice and the leaders that are behind the movement, that are behind places like Bethel, behind places like Hillsong, uh, leaders who are prominent in the NAR, and then be able to say, do they mean the same thing we mean when we use the same verses, when we use the same language. And of course, you're going to end up, be, I, I think from what we played the last two times, it, it's going to be a flat out, no, we don't mean the same thing. If anything, you know, especially if you listen to someone like Bill Johnson, we're anathematized by Bill Johnson. And, and not to say this to repay evil for evil, but we would anathematize him as well because we, we think he is propagating a false gospel in the same way, he would say we're propagating a false gospel because we don't believe that the gospel is essentially people being healed. We think it's essentially people being forgiven of their sins and being made right with God. So when you get down to the, the crux of the issue, the foundational issue, it's the gospel. 
and I think we I think we did a fantastic job and <laughs> not a pat on the back. I just think we did a very good job at showing that that we real we're not just saying that out of, out of thin air. And so when we're addressing the music, we're addressing this question now. You need to be able to say, okay, they 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 they're going to use similar language, similar tones, similar phrases. Now, who's being biblical? And so as we come into the the, the discussion of music, we and, and we come into why I think I think I'm going to conclude. I think you're going to conclude. You need to avoid at all costs Bethel music, Hillsong music. Why you need to avoid it? Um, and that's going to be because there are not only different motivations behind it, but different foundations. At the end of the day, Amen. <clears throat> right. The Bible talks about in Proverbs, shall a man scoop fire onto his lap and expect not to be burned? You know, or hold fire to his chest and expect not to be burned. So we already talked about before this started that, I mean, Hillsong and Jesus culture, there's some songs that they sing that they use scripture, they use gospel language, they say truths about God, about the Trinity, about all of that. There's there's songs that I used to listen to all the time that have those truths in them that you would say, but I don't understand. I mean, listen to the song or listen to my church singing it. You know, when they sing it, it brings glory to God. And I don't deny that. I don't deny that the words that are used bring glory to God. But I think that the danger of playing with that fire is not worth using that music in your worship because when there's so much other music available and I'm not saying you only have to use a hymnal. I mean, I, I think there's good new music out there that's been done in our generation written in our generation that you are able to use. And there's so much of it that I just don't see why you would need to use Jesus culture or Hillsong music, even though it may have some good lyrics to it, even though it may have some, if it's going to be that dangerous, um, I don't see why you would have to use it when there's other options out there to use. And at that point, it's just because, oh, well, people are familiar with it and people like it and they might not keep coming if I don't keep using it. Well, when do we ever do anything like that? It's not about um, people. It's about God. It's about glorifying God. And it's also about being our brother's keeper. So don't think that, <laughs> don't think that just because you are grounded enough to you're going to be able to use that music and sing it and not go look up the theology that everybody else in your congregation is that same way. Yeah. I mean, the statistically speaking, if we just look out over a congregation of 150 people, 200 people, let's say 300 people, statistically speaking, the majority of those people are not able to defend the faith rightly, are not able to talk about the different doctrines of the Bible are not able to make a defense for the faith against a lot of the NAR teachings. So when you take those people and you give them this music and then they look, cause you have to list what kind of music you're playing. And it says, you know, Hillsong worship or Bethel music at the bottom of it. And they go home. Oh, I really liked that song. Let me look up Bethel music. They go home, they look it up, whether it's a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, or, or a 50-year-old, and all of a sudden, right next to it, you know, they look up Bethel music, there's a 15-minute long song 
with repetitive lyrics because that's it's not only going to come up with the song that you sung in church. It's going to come up with all their other songs that are 10, 12, 15, 18 minutes long. And then right next to it is going to be a teaching of Bill Johnson or Heidi Baker or Todd White or whoever else. So you're basically, you know, giving... Uh, giving a child a knife and telling him not to cut himself with it here. You can play with this, but don't hurt yourself. You know, and that's, we would never do that with anything else in life, but just because it's popular and just because people know it, we, we cling to it and, and we don't want to give it up. I mean, to me, that sounds more like an idol, uh, you know, in my own life, at least when I have those things where I know it's dangerous I know that there's a possibility to cause harm, but I don't want to give it up. That in my own life, that's because it's an idol, mm. and it needs to be it needs to be rooted out and cut out. You know, so I just I would plead to not play with it. You know, that's the reason why we say this is is because of, and I think we'll get into some of the mythical aspects of it or the mystical aspects of it, <laughs> and how mythical, Mythic. but the, the the mystical aspects of it and how similar it is to Hinduism and the chanting and the getting into yes. this rhythmic uh, tones and and even the stuff Bill Johnson's wife does on stage with a tuning fork and these yes. these mystical things where it's not. To you in your church, it may just be about, okay, this has some good lyrics and we're going to sing it to the glory of God, but that's not what it's about for them. Their goal at Jesus Culture concerts when they put the other songs up is to get you into this sort of trance to where then they can give you the teachings because you don't, you don't go to a Jesus Culture concert or a Bethel um, worship service and it, they just play a couple solid songs and then that's it. You know, yeah. the, the goal of the music is to prepare your mind for the teaching. And if you're playing those songs at your church, it's inevitable that at least somebody, even if it's only one person out of the 150 people or however many people in your church, look up where that came from. There's going to be someone that's going to get enticed at the very least, even if they don't go all the way away into it, they're going to be enticed they're, You're going to be dangling a piece of poison in front of them, but telling them not to take it, you know? Yeah. And, and last point that I'll make, but the music is really, you know, if the, if these NAR teachings is the bear trap that, that will snap your leg off the, the NAR, the music is really the little enticing piece of food that's in the center <laughs> of the trap or, or it's the, it's the worm that's on the hook. You know, you, you see that, that, piece of candy in the middle of the trap and you don't look at the trap you just go straight for the candy okay I, I can eat this or i can have a nibble of that and then before you know it the hook is in you know so that that music is really what entices to come into that movement and uh i, I think this is a good segue into now talk about so what the music is designed for and why we would tell you to avoid it so because the question may come, and I, I was actually seeing if anyone had talked about this, just I, I like to hear what different people say about this, not because I may, maybe agree with them or not, but um, one guy had asked the question, should we uh, still even listen to Hillsong if they had some good songs? Uh, because we would admit, what, what we're not saying is every single lyric they do is just utterly demonic, right? There's some songs that are that are biblical 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the question becomes, I think, for some people, should we, should can we still, and maybe not should, but can we still use their music, even though there's some bad stuff in it and there's some good stuff with it? And that's a question we've been asked many times. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, it, and I, I think we're, we're on the same page with this, but I'm gonna, I'm going to end up saying no. Um, for, for different reasons. And, and so I, I want to, hopefully by the, by the time we get to the end of this, we'll, we'll have a good argument for why we're saying no. Um, but I, I, w- I wanted to kind of, I want to kind of take the back end and front load it and, and give you a no. I want you to hear that at the beginning. I don't think, actually, I don't think you shouldn't, you should not be using Bethel music, Hillsong movement. I think anything that is coming out of the NAR, I don't think you should be using any of it. Uh, and, and so here's kind of why. So when we're thinking about the music and when we're thinking about the NAR in general, um, uh, so I, I think one way we could sum up in a very brief sentence, what we're saying throughout this whole thing, when it comes to what is driving everything is what is driving the music is experience trumps the Bible. Now we, we've talked about this on previous episodes. So hear us out. If you're hearing that and you're like, no, no, no that's not true. Hear us out. Hear us out. I know they would not agree with that formally, right? They would hear the phrase, the words, that experience trumps the Bible. Yet, I think the, the practice, how it all plays out, it's, it's exactly that. And so you that, know them by their fruits, the yes. Bible says, and we've seen their fruits yeah. you know, over and over. And, and, and so I, I think at the end of the day, what, what is happening, and here is the foundation to the music, the experience trumps the truth. And so I, I think with the music then, the music is not driven towards truth per se. There might be truth in the music, but it's not driven by and not driven towards the truth. Rather, the music becomes a vehicle towards an experience. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and once again, you can, you already said it, but. Not every single song is like that. You know, you're not going to pull up a Hillsong and every song is 18 minutes long and yeah. sounds like you're in a club or listening to trance music after you took ecstasy or something. You know, not every single song is like that. But yeah, I think the yeah the main point is to, you know, get you prepared for something else, it yeah. seems like. So that I totally agree. And so that's what I would say at the outset is... The, the theological drive behind the music is that the experience is elevated above the Bible or above truth or above doctrine, however you want to put it. And, and the reason, I think, for that is this, and you kind of said it earlier, which I think trans, trans, uh, trans ways, I can't, transits <laughs> us into this, is uh, music is actually designed to lead you somewhere. Yeah. So that is true in even our own context. Music is designed to prepare you for worship. And I know that sounds weird for most people because they think worship, well, I'm singing, that's worship. What we would probably say would be more biblical is, yes, singing is a part of worshiping God. I think that Ephesians text mm. is very clear. But th- the singing is actually meant to drive you towards, I think, the Word. To get your heart ready for to get, the preaching. Yes, yeah, it's it's a preparatory. If you want to put it in a very nice techno preparatory, preparatory, preparatory. I can't even say it. Presbytory, presbytory. But it it's it's supposed to prepare you for something. And so he's you know Dave's right. Is the music it even though it's a highlight um, in in the NAR and Bethel and in Hillsong, 
It does prepare you to receive something. And then, and so you notice that when, whenever you go to any of these things, you're always going to have music. Music does kind of like a 360. It's like a circle, and then within the circle is the message itself. But at no time does the music never serve a purpose towards the message. You begin with music. Often there's music in those contexts during the message, you know, to really make you feel like you're in the moment. And then it, it finishes with music. And the, the whole point of it is to draw you into the experience, keep you in the experience, and then for you to leave validating that experience so that the whole thing becomes this one elevated experience that it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anyone might criticize or say about it. I had the experience. And I think that's at the heart of their worship. And so I think music foundationally is to elevate experience above truth. And then I, I think the, the the drive of the music is to get you towards a message. And so th- that's important. And so this is this is kind of going to, to why we would conclude why you shouldn't listen to this kind of music. And I think this is the first one. One, because you need to understand what the music is being used for, right? So it doesn't matter what, at this point, the, the lyrical content and the, and the goal of the music is not to point you to the Bible. It's not to get you, all right, we just sang four songs, everyone open up the Bible, and I'm going to explain this text, exalt Christ in it. <laughs> that, that's not, you will never hear that, right? That, that's, that doesn't happen. Rather, it's, all right, this music, we're going to go off the map on this one. Right, we're going to get you into a whole new realm, mm-hmm. uh, and so they wouldn't say it like that. But I, so I have this, I have this quote. But I'm some really, of them do say it. Like some that of them do say, it. And, and I have this quote from Bill Johnson. So I want to say it, and then you can jump in. So, so, so to our first point, why you shouldn't there, there is, there is a end goal. There's a destination to the music you do not want to go to. All right, you don't want to get in the cab because it's not taking you to the destination you think you're going to. So this is a quote from Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth. All right, so this is, you can find this on page 76 of his book. He says, quote, Those who feel safe because of their intellectual grasp of scriptures enjoy a false sense of security. None of us has a full grasp of scripture, but we all have the Holy Spirit. He is our common denominator who will always lead us into truth. 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 But to follow him, we must, here's the important part, quote, but to follow him, we must be willing to follow off the map, to go beyond what we know, end quote. So that, that's Bill Johnson. So I think, though his quote is not talking about music per se, it, 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 I mean, it fits like a puzzle piece right into where, you know, the whole musical setup well, the horrendous downplaying of scripture too. I mean, don't, how do we not get sick as, as a Christian people in America? How do we not get sick of a downplaying of God's word? I mean, that, that, that should make us righteously angry when you hear God's word downplayed. This, this, I have a Bible in front of me, so I'm pointing at it, but this Bible is how God speaks to us. This was written by the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. All of this was written by the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. And he's, he's saying, yeah, yeah, the Bible. And I mean, nobody knows it perfectly, you know, but we all have the Holy Spirit. You know, do you think the Holy Spirit that wrote this book likes to hear you talk about what he wrote like that? 
I mean, this is God's word. You do not separate God from his word. And yet again and again and again, we hear the the disdain for God's word coming out of this. If And Satan loves every second of it because if he can separate Christians from the word of God that he's written, then this is what you get. You get everything else that comes along with that. You get all the the exegeting dreams and you get all the your own feelings and you get all the 18 minute long songs that bring you into a different dimension and, and a different realm. And, and those are the things you get when you downplay God's word and you disdain God's word when yet read Psalm 119 and tell me if that sounds like what Bill Johnson just said. Did yeah. David not have the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And yet did David ever say anything except for how important it is to know God's word, that it is a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. And then when you have someone like Bill Johnson disdain the word of God and cast it aside, is it any wonder because he doesn't have a lamp for his feet and a light unto his path that he's gone on to a different path? I mean, never, ever do we see in God's word, in the entire word, do we see it spoken of in that way? Do we see the Holy Spirit ever speaking in anything but to to stay in the word of God, to stay close to it, to know it, to memorize it, to love it. I mean, we never see any, the, the Holy Spirit himself that he talks about right there, never do we see that Holy Spirit say anything but to know God's word and to know it better and better and better and better. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry if I... I get excited about this because I'm so sick of hearing people downplay God's word. I mean, to think that God is glorified by us casting aside his word is, is shows we know nothing of who God is. Yeah. So. And, well, uh, I totally agree. And we should have that reaction because here's what, in, here's in essence what he's saying. He's asking us to go beyond what we know. Well, what do we know? The Bible. And why is he asking us to go beyond what we know? Well, because he says our intellectual grasp of Scripture is never full. And so we don't have a... So in his mind, then, because we don't have a full grasp of Scripture, Just we don't have... up on it. Yeah, we don't have a full grasp of the, of the Spirit and, and the Christian life and all these different things. And so we need to be able to, in his words, we must be willing to follow off the map, which is to go beyond what we know, which means to go beyond Scripture. I don't think I'm twisting any of his words there. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> so if you think that, and so this is, I mean, this is what, a, this is a, this is a false piety presenting itself as if it's somehow holy in order to peddle something that is completely unbiblical, right? Jesus prays to his father, father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word, Christ's word to his, Christ did not pray a prayer his father will not answer. And God will not allow his people to be led off into error and to be deceived apart from his word, right? His word is going to keep them. It's sufficient to do that. So this idea that we have to be willing to follow off the map to go beyond what we know, pretty much to be able to go beyond scripture is false. It's it's a false teaching, and it's a false doctrine, and it's going to lead many, many astray, to which you should be asking yourself, if you hear someone like Bill Johnson saying that, why should I believe you? Why, why should I believe what you're saying? How is that even true? How would I know that's true? And you, I, I hope you're willing to, to ask yourself that question of how you know that could be true. 
And so that quote, I think, really plays into the first point we're making, why you should avoid NAR, why you should avoid Bethel music and Hillsong music, using it, listening to it, is because their music is built for this very purpose, right? The, so like we said, the music is built to lead you to something. It's a, it's, it's a preparatory work. It's, it's preparing you for something. It's preparing you to, to accept something like this. And, and now this kind of transitions us, I think, into the second part, which is another reason is the music is not used uh, to cause you to encourage and uplift one another and, and sing truths to the Lord himself and to the Father. Rather, it's used to get you into an experience. It's used to draw up and drum up an atmosphere, an atmosphere that, you know, even if you're, you may have heard it like this before, you know, I just really felt the spirit in that place, or I just really felt like God had shown up in that place. And uh, and, and so the, I think the idea that goes beyond a lot of this music, and th- I mean, this is just a, this is just a phenomenon that is throughout American evangelicalism. The music is used to hype you up. I mean, is there any wonder why you can go to a church now and it look just like a rock concert and it looked just like the latest venue or show that you just went to, right? Because how did you feel when you went to that show? Like, you don't, no one goes and buys a ticket to go up to their favorite band to be unmoved. They go because they want to experience the band. They want to go to experience the music because it takes them somewhere. And in the same thing, when when the church is starting to look like a venue, you got to understand, well, the music is being used towards a different goal. It's being used toward a different end. It's to draw you in. It's to pull you in. It's to create an atmosphere. It's to create a feeling. It's to create a movement. And that's exactly what this is doing. And what kind of environment is it trying to create for you? It's trying to create an environment where you feel more spiritual, where you feel like as if I'm going off the map where I'm going beyond what I know, right? I I know that the Bible says this and the Bible says that, but at the end of the day, it's to get you to a a different level, right? A different experience, something that is elevated above what you already know. And so, I mean, we, we could play a bunch of things, we could show a bunch of different things, but all you have to do is flip on any Hillsong video. All you have to do is watch anything from Bethel, from Jesus Culture. All you have to do is go on and watch the latest trends in evangelicalism, and you'll see that the music is designed and made and functioning to get you to an experience. That's the heart of it. And that experience is supposed to elevate you beyond what you know so that you now are imparted with a new knowledge and a new way of knowing God that you did not know God before. Yeah, and I wanted to talk on, I mean, I guess we're about to be done here, but regarding that, that this this music is, they're doing it in a way to take you into a different realm. And as we already talked about Hinduism and those types of things and, and how very new agey it is. If you listen to that new age podcast on Apologia, where the guy talks about when they do these new age things, there is a real spirituality to it. There is different realms being opened up. You're dealing with spirit beings. You're dealing with, we know it as demonic presence. And he's talking about how those things are real, that they open the doors to those things, that they 
if you look at any uh, Hinduism meditation, they go, they exact same thing. They do chants for 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes until they get into this trance where then they're able to get into these different spiritual realms. And if you think I'm making any of this up, you can read. So there's a book called The Physics of Heaven that was written in 2012. And um, Bill Johnson's wife and him wrote a couple chapters in that book, I believe two chapters. And the whole entire book was about how we can uh, unite with the physics of heaven and how we can be in tune with the vibrations of heaven. And if you listen to, I guess I don't totally recommend it, but if you think you're able to listen to the song, uh, the rhythm of heaven by, by Bethel, that's all it is. It's, it's tuning you into this, what they believe is this rhythm of heaven. They say in this book, I've found throughout scripture at least 75 examples of things that the new age has counterfeited, such as having a spirit guide, trances, meditation, auras, power objects, clairvoyance, um, and more. And they're saying that we need to take these things back from the new age. And they talk about um, the coming new sound isn't just something that you pick up with your ears, but it's greater than anything you can understand. It can change DNA. So we are genetically growing up. Your genetics are the same as his was. Our genetics come out of the Father in our spirit. We are becoming like an instrument being tuned where our genetics are getting aligned with the Father's genetics in harmony with him. Your genetics are the same as his was. We're going to take authority over everything down here back, literally give it back to the Father. So, And then we get into the, the most new age uh, mysticism that you can possibly have, but yet they call it Christian. This is exactly, exactly what Hinduism is. This is exactly what new age is. We have quotes here directly from Benny Johnson, who is Bill Johnson's wife. She says, I was talking with Ray Hughes the other day and was telling him about using a 520 hertz tuning fork as a prophetic act. Someone told me that this tuning fork was called the tuning fork of love. Google it. Ray told me that science has said that this fork is the sound that holds earth. That blew me away. One thing about this 528 hertz tuning fork is that science tells us that this is that the sound of this fork brings healing. So we see that they're not even trying to hide it. I mean, now, once again, I said, you can look this up for yourself. This is in The Physics of Heaven, written in 2012. So that was, what, seven years ago now? How far along do you think they are now? This, this is the point of their music. My wife and I knew somebody who went to Bethel School of Music, came out of it, and then his eyes were open to what was happening. But he said that they would train him to play certain chords that they knew which chords would cause people to go into these trance-like states. And they would, they would have them play these certain chords and then build up and build up and build up over 10, 15, 20 minutes until they get to the right chords that are going to bring you into a trance-like state. It's not that they're just trying to make good music and they don't know what's happening. They know exactly what they're doing. They're training their musicians 
they would say tuning you into the sounds of heaven, tuning you into the rhythms of heaven, having this vibration like music change your DNA into the DNA of the Father. I mean, saying you can have spirit guides and all these things. This is new age at the core. It's opening up realms. I mean, you watch some Bethel stuff where they have these rhythmic type musics going on. And then we listened to the clip last week, the guy rolling around on the ground, screaming in pain as if he's in fire. That is not a realm of heaven being opened up to him. That's a realm of demonic presence that where he's being oppressed by a demon. I mean, those, and, and this is why we warn of this, because as Aaron said, this music has a goal. This music has an end and the goal is not to teach the solid truths of Scripture. The goal is to take you, as Aaron said, off the map of Scripture and tune you into the rhythm of heaven without God's Word. Because if you can just find the rhythm of heaven, and if you can use a tuning fork and these other New Age things to tune into heaven without God's Word, then that's what the point of that music is. So when you play these songs, Hill Song songs, when you play Jesus Culture songs, you need to be aware that this is the risk you're taking that you're risking your congregation, people you know, being sucked into these other things. And is it worth the risk? Uh, that's the question. As we said, there is many, many other good bands or music, and maybe we can, I don't know if we're going to be able to talk again next week or the week after, but maybe we can come with a list of other worship leaders or worship bands. I mean, Sovereign Grace has a lot of good music. Uh, their churches are having a couple issues right now as well, but a lot of their music is very good. There's the the Gathers that have a lot of good music. That's all newer music that you can use. Um, John MacArthur's uh, Grace to You hymnal or Songs of Grace hymnal has a lot of new and old hymns in it. So when there's all these other options, just ask yourself, is it worth it for me to play these songs in my church to possibly even lead one sheep astray into this demonic um, trying to tune yourself in with these rhythmic trances? Is it worth it to uh, have somebody possibly go down that road because you just happened to like one of the songs they sung and it wasn't heretical? Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, I think that's worth it too because that. I mean, while we could we could continue this series forever, but what I think we can do in doing that is is begin something where where we can teach something positive as what music is for, what worship is, and I would we'll definitely do that next time. We we can give you some resources to at least begin to know that you're getting not only music with good lyrics and good theology, but also music that is made well. And music that will that causes people and um, pushes people to worship Christ and not worship an experience. So we'll we'll do that next time. And I wanted to end with this: is uh, you know when, when we're thinking about what the end goal is, what we're dealing with here is we're not simply dealing with battling with someone like Bill Johnson. Uh, we we think of what Paul says, you know, in, in beginning in Ephesians five, he's he's telling them this is how you ought to walk. This is how you ought to walk. There's there's evil men about that. These are uh, the, the days are evil, redeem, you know, redeem the time. And he's giving all these instructions to them. And and then he ends it in Ephesians 6 with this. He, after he's given all these instructions, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may able, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present 
darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is why Paul wrote those instructions. So if you want to know why worship's important, that's why. To think you should ever come into any kind of worship nonchalantly thinking it's just a uh, just some ritual you're going through, then you're wrong. So you can turn your mind off and just tune yes. in your body to the rhythm of heaven. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone's worshiping something, and they're praising something. And so to try to be tuned into these forces, to try to be tuned into the spiritual, and yet to do it apart from God's word is leading you into error. And you may be playing with the very spiritual forces that are against you, that are seeking uh, to devour you. So that's a warning we should hear, not to scare you, but to to remind you of the seriousness of what worship actually is. We're worshiping God himself, and we're we're saying things about God and about each other when we do it. So, yeah, tune in next time, guys, as we we will—I think this will be the end of our parts on the NAR— and uh, ne- but next time we will transition. We'll talk. We'll probably talk a little bit more about the NAR, but then we'll we'll, we'll transition into some um, positive things. What worship is. We'll give you guys some resources. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that one. Um, so this will be part five of our NAR series. If you haven't heard the parts before, go back and listen to uh, parts one through four. I will link to it in the show notes. You can find it on the website at warcrymedia.com. And uh, until then, guys, uh, go turn the world upside down. And uh, this is Dave and Aaron on the NAR. 